no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to the Barry Sentence. We are Chicago Bears podcast for the fans. On today's show, we are joined by Montel Hardy from CBS Sports and Bear Report and much more. Hey, Doug, what's a good word, fam? Everything is all good, Press. How about you, man? Man, I'm just over here sipping on a little Cabin's red wine, man, courtesy of A-Dub listeners. I'm doing great <laughs> over here. Oh, quite sure. <laughs> good job on the bat, man. You won fair and square. Congratulations. <laughs> man, thank you so much. Thank you for being a man of your word here. A-Dub paid up on the bet. He was a good sport about everything. And like I said, I'm going to take another sip of this little wine real quick. Oh, uh, whatever. <laughs> Oof. You know what, A-Dub, before we get into the show, I don't know if this wine tastes good because you got me a good bottle or if it just tastes better because you paid for it. I, I'm trying to figure out which <laughs> Oh, whatever, man. Whatever, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I wanted to take the time, too, to shout out Ira, Trubiscus and Gravy, because he actually won the March Madness pool that we ran this uh, tourney. So congratulations, Ira. We will be hitting you up with your loot later on this week. Yes, sir. Congratulations, brother. You earned it. Yes, he did, man. He was the only person that picked Baylor in the pool, bro. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, he, he knew something that we didn't know. <laughs> but, hey, he got it, man. Good job. And I tell you, that Baylor team was strong, man. They came out. They took that crown. I'm telling you, dude. Athletic, physical. You can tell that Baylor team, they didn't miss many days in that weight room. Them doors, they look ready. <laughs> man, <laughs> I swear, man. And the one thing I would say about Baylor, though, uh, really quickly, is that those guys, man, when it come down to one-on-one isolation, those dudes can make plays. And they was getting to that rack with ease, bro. Yes, sir. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> so, I will be got you later on this week. Uh, be on the lookout for that Venmo. Hey, Dub, man, we got some news here before we uh, bring in our guest. Taylor Gabriel retired from the NFL. I just saw that, and I, and I wanted to just say for me, first and foremost, man, he was actually one of my favorite players on that team, man, because he was so accessible to the fan base. When we would go down to uh, Bourbon A, he yeah. would come over and high-five. He signed so many autographs. He would stay on that field well after practice ended, like, just chopping it up with the fans. So he's one that I always want to give some kudos to because I really enjoyed his time here in Chicago. Yeah, man, he's also, to me, I thought he was one of the underrated players as well. But you're right, Perez, the way he acts towards the fans, man, you got to salute that, man. That was awesome when he act. I mean, he never took his role for being a celebrity, whatever. He took that serious, man. He wanted to get back to the fan base to let them know that, hey, he appreciate all of us. So I like that about him. Yeah, I mean, and think about this, A-Dub. This guy went from being an undrafted free agent to catching passes in the Super Bowl. Man, he worked his ass off. And so yes, he did. any guy that's out here that has a dream of wanting to play in the league, and even if you don't get drafted, use his career as inspiration, man, because this guy put in that work. 
And look what happened. He earned himself a really nice contract with the Bears and a, yep. and a nice life for himself. And now he could ride off of the sunset. He owns multiple businesses. So he set himself up for life and just put in yes, that work. Yes, he did. Definitely. He's a guy that, like you said, somebody everyone can look up to and say, hey, you know what? He modeled the way for us. So he did a good job with that. And like you said, Perez, the fact that how he is set for life, really, with these things that he's done business-wise, that is a plus. So kudos to him. Absolutely. Well, our boy... Anthony can't get right Miller. We saw last week here that there were some trade rumors, man, out here, man. What you think about that, brother? <laughs> you know what? I'm not surprised at why they're looking at trade rumors for him because, you know, Anthony, he was scheduled to be the number two player on our squad, really. That's what he's supposed to be. Unfortunately, he's not that. And he still has talent, right? Still got some value. He still has talent. He just can't get right. He's just not consistent. And therefore, a guy like that, you have Money Moon taking your spot now. <laughs> um, it's time for us to consider, you know, moving on from you, right? So I think the Bears are doing the right thing by exploring trades for him. A lot of these other teams don't know him as well as we do. And you and I saw Perez this year where he's inconsistent. But again, still got talent, though, and he plays the slot. And a lot of these teams can use somebody at the slot. Yeah, and I know listeners of the show, they'll say, man, Perez, you like go after this guy. You you, you call him can't get right. But to Adele's point, he's got a lot of talent. We both know that. But however, We've been waiting as fans for that thing to show up, and we just keep getting disappointed. Right. So there'll be one game where he'll look like a top 15 receiver, and then the next couple games he disappears. When I look at a guy like that, I wonder, A-Dub, would a fresh start be what's best for him to be able to get his career where it needs to go? That's kind of what I'm thinking. I don't know. No, you make a good point, Press. That might be it. And you do have those people who are saying that, you know what, well, he played for the Bears, you know, they had quarterback issues, so they might give him a pass on that part of, you know, we're not, of course, because we've seen him every day, but others who have not got a chance to watch him every day like we have will probably say that, oh, the Bears had two different quarterbacks, one of them sucked really badly, <laughs> and that may have played up, contributed to a part to where he didn't do so well successfully with the organization last year. But from your point, our point for us is that we saw the inconsistencies with him. A fresh start definitely would do him some diligence, because the thing is, when you go in, the mental mistakes he made for the Bears with getting kicked out of game, critical games, and things of that nature happening, you need a fresh start to really reset and get yourself together. Yeah, man. I mean, you said it. You said it well, bro. The only thing I would just add to that is if we're able to get any sort of compensation for him, I say you do it. Because if we release him and get nothing for him, then I kind of feel like, well, shit, what was the point? <laughs> you know, <so>. Right. <laughs> Good point. There. I like that. I like the observation right there, Prince. Well, man, your boy, Darnell Mooney. What you call him? Money Moon. There you Money go. Money Moon, baby. <laughs> he hey, he got us hyped this week, man. We haven't had a lot to uh be excited about with this damn team. But uh Money Moon, he put out a video this week and he posted some of his 2020 highlights. I know you were probably fired up when you saw it. I was like, okay, Darnell, I see you, son. <laughs> hey man, I'm pumped up, Fred. When I saw that, I said, Hey, remind me of some of those highlights from last season. <laughs> you be pumped up, you know, uh the play against the uh the Vikings. That big pass on the Packers. I'm like, hey, a big complete um, that reception he had on the Packers. I'm like, yeah, man, get me excited because hey, we're looking for more of that coming this um, coming season. So yeah, get me pumped up, baby, because you're gonna get his, he's gonna get his opportunities. He sure is. And you brought up the point that we've talked about on this show pretty much all season how he came in here as a fifth round draft pick was a steal in the draft in my opinion and took Anthony Miller's job. Yeah. <laughs> and so now you got a guy like that that's gonna be paired up with Allen Robinson. Man, I feel really good about those two. Now we just got to get some other receivers in the house. <laughs> <laughs> to back those two guys up. <laughs> You're right. So, yeah, man, so we'll see there. But, but Money Moon, I can only imagine what he'll be able to do 
with the benefit of having a full offseason program now, because he didn't have that this last year. So he came in as a rookie and showed you what he was able to do. Right. He gets this opportunity to be a valuable piece of the offense now, right? Because when the season first began, we knew, right, it was Anthony Miller and it was A-Rod. We already knew that. So like you said, now he's going to be part of that offense now moving forward to where now we're going to go to him more often than we did early in the season last year. So talk about numbers-wise, they can look even better this coming season. And the last point that I have with Darnell Mooney, I think there were a lot of passes to him last year that were uncatchable. And right. so I'm hoping whoever is the quarterback, <laughs> we can get this guy the ball where he can make plays and we can take advantage of that speed. And that's pretty much what I feel there. I just want this kid where we can see what exactly he can do. Absolutely, Perez. You said it best right there. There was a lot of missed passes that were thrown his way. It wasn't his fault, but they were, he was overthrown a lot. Like you said, man, I think Andy Dalton has shown that he could make passes like that you know, in his history. I think we're probably going to see a very good Darnell Mooney coming this season. You talk about those numbers he had last year. Oh, yeah. I can see some connections happening if Andy Dalton is the guy. But again, if we can get better at the quarterback situation, I'm not going to counsel that door, close that door just yet. But guess what? Whoever's there, like you said, Perez, I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir. A quick shout out to one of our loyal listeners, TJ Brooks. And A-Dub, I shared this with you, but he said that if it were available, he would buy an A-Dub Money Moon ringtone. So I thought that was dope. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that, man. I really do. Really do, man. But you know what? I'm a big fan of Money Moon. I like what this kid brings to the table. I've been high on every since we got him, man. And um, he has not let me down. So Money Moon, baby. Bank no, is he... open. <laughs> the bank is definitely open. One more thing I wanted to discuss with you before we bring our guest on. So. We're kind of passed through some of the initial points here, free agency. And mm-hmm. a couple of our key players from last season are still available. So I want to get your thoughts on that. So first of all, we've talked about it in the last couple episodes, but Corderell Patterson still right. remains unsigned. I know he had his little April Fool's joke that he played on us, whatever, but he's still out there. What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm just kind of surprised that a guy like that is still on the market because he's got some really good playmaking ability especially on special teams, where he's, to me, one of the best kick returners in the game. But what are your thoughts there? You know what, Perez? I thought about him on many occasions. I wonder if people are waiting to after the draft to decide what they want to do with him. I don't know, right? Because I think the draft is really going to tell who they're going to pick up, people are going to start drafting. But the smoke hasn't cleared yet when it comes down to guys like him. So we know that he's, what, kickoff return kind of a guy. So we're waiting to see how all this is going to play out. So I'm not going to close the door between him and the Bears at this point, but I think there are other things that are probably a, a, a priority more so than he is at this point. Yeah, and, and you know what? And we said this a couple weeks ago. We said the Bears hadn't reached out to him since free agency started. So maybe that's just a sign that, hey, you know what? They want to shore up some of these other positions on the team. They've been basically going out and scouting these quarterbacks and whatever else they got going on. But right. pa- but Patterson even said he's enjoying the process of being a free agent. So yeah, he said he's going to take it slow. But I think this was going to be a one that's going to be worth monitoring for us as a fan base, because if we could find a way to bring him back for one more season, I would be really excited about that. Me too, Perez. And I'm hopeful that we're going to do that. I really am. I'm hopeful. So we'll see what happens as this go along. But you're right, man. A lot of other things that are top priority than him at this point. And no pun intended with that, but we totally get it. Yes, sir. Tyshawn Gibson. So right now, if you look at the Bears depth chart, Deion Bush is set up to be your starting safety alongside of uh, Eddie Jackson right now. Me personally, when I look at that, I say, eh, Tyshawn Gibson, I thought was he he was serviceable. He did his thing. He he really stepped up towards the last 
part of the season. But what are your thoughts there with him? Because when I look at the way that this situation is going with Gibson, I thought that we might have brought him back on a team-friendly deal. Since that hasn't happened, what are some of your thoughts when it comes to that safety position? I wonder, A-Dub, is this a a clear sign that they're going to target a young safety prospect in the draft? I don't know. It feels that way, Press, that we're probably going to target a young safety. Uh, We've got enough draft picks in the draft to decide that. We got a veteran already, the Bush, right? So I'm like, well, how many veterans do you want? You got to think about that. So I don't know what they're going to do there, but it makes me feel that, hey, maybe Tyshawn Gibbs is not the guy we want to keep on the team at this point, right? We're going to see how they draft. Maybe after the draft, we may make a decision with them, but we'll see. And I haven't heard a lot about other team members are pursuing him at this point either. So it's like you don't hear a lot of noise around him at all, really, at this point. But we'll see. We'll see what the Bears decide to do. We got draft picks. I think that's where we're going to go at Perez, like you mentioned. I think that's probably the, the, the first logical thing to go after first. And then we decide from there. Yeah, because, I mean, if you have a Deion Bush there, you've got insurance in, the, in that case. We got yeah. DeAndre Houston Carson that's set up as a death piece. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so maybe the, the, maybe the line of uh, action here for them is we re-sign him, we'll go after a safety, that person can develop and learn, and then now you got your safety of the future. The last one, A-Dub, that I wanted to get your thoughts on, and this is a guy that you and I basically spoke about on our Pending Bears Free Agents episode earlier in the offseason, Sherrick McManus. Now, this was somebody that I said, hey, you know what? We should probably maybe just let him just ride off into the sunset because of his injury history. But there were a lot of listeners of our show that, that messaged us and said, hey, guys, hey, this is somebody that we would love if they came back to the team. What are your thoughts here on Sherrick? Because he's still available. You know what? That injury slowed the entire process down, right? So we didn't get a chance to see enough of him. I would love to see what he looks like. Because again, he could be the steal on this whole thing, really. He can get us some snaps, man. So I want to see too. I want to see what he has left. What can he bring to the table? Because I haven't seen enough last season because of the injury. And I think at this point, I think we're all waiting to see, hey, why not bring him back? Well, so the one thing with him, and this is going to be key, is that special team's ability that he has. I think that that's the intangible with him. That is the thing that a lot of fans want him to come back. But I look at him, aging player, injury yep. prone, but he's had a good career here with the with the Bears. But we'll see what happens here. But for this guy, I'm still on the fence on whether or not I think that they should go after him and bring him back. Yeah, I, I get it, though, because you really don't know. I mean, the thing I'm looking at, Perez, is why not give him an opportunity, right, to see if this is what he can do, right, compete. That's what I'm looking at, really. Like I said, it may not cost a lot of money either to do it. So it's not. it's going to be team-friendly. I'm like, well, why not, right? <laughs> this team for him, he maybe he's one that we can look at as well. Absolutely. Well, hey, without further ado, audience, we talked to you guys about the fact after this initial wave of free agency and with the NFL draft on the horizon, there's going to still be so much more left in this offseason for us to figure out. A lot of questions left to be answered. And that's why today we're joined by our special guest, Montel Hardy. He's coming on. He's going to be breaking down quarterback prospects because I know you guys all Want to know, what the hell are we going to be doing in this quarterback position? And he's also going to walk us through a mock draft that he put together as well. Without further ado, Montel, talk to him. What's good, fam? What's going on, man? Uh, pleasure to be here with y'all today. Hey, man, we appreciate you uh, joining us, man. And, and first of all, listeners, Montel has had a very busy and exciting offseason himself. My man recently got married. Montel, congratulations to you, brother. <laughs> thank you so much man yeah i appreciate it uh yeah it's definitely been a busy offseason you know um just everything that's gone into wedding and stuff like that so yeah it's been it's been a grind 
I bet, man. How's everything going so far, man? You getting acclimated to everything? Everything good over there? <laughs> yeah, you know, getting acclimated to married life. Uh, still in the blissful stage, you know what I mean? Uh, yesterday made three weeks that I've been married. So, uh, so far, you know, three weeks down, right? Just the rest of my life to go. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, just, just, just roll with the punches. But, uh, yeah, everything's been great. You know, the wife's been super supportive. And, uh, like I said, I'm just excited to be here with you guys today. And uh, thanks for just kind of sticking and moving with my schedule because things have been crazy my end too. Hey, we get it, bro. We get it. Like we were just telling our listeners, we wanted you to come on because a lot of our listeners would be in our DMs every day. Like, man, what are we going to do with this quarterback position? What are we going to do? Right. And so I was like, man, I want to get somebody on this show that does a breakdowns because Martel, your Twitter account is underrated, man. You like, you definitely be hitting with some gems out there. And I was like, man, I, when I saw like some of the tweets you were putting out there, I'm like, Man, I'm going to get this guy on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, part of it's my fault because when I uh, when I worked in college football for a while, I had to delete, you know, the initial Twitter I had. And that one had like almost, you know, 2,000 followers. And it was really popular. And they made me delete it, man. They said, hey, you got to do this because we, you know, I worked at Wake Forest. And they said, you know, when we play Duke, we can't have you, you know, we get people looking through your tweets of their players, even though they're probably right. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so I, I, had, I had to get rid of that one. And, you know, I started doing it not too long ago. But, yeah, you know, just thanks for um, all the information and everything. And, and I just think for me, it's just been, you know, you just got to try to go against the grain. But it's like if you consume, it depends on who you listen to and who you follow the most. But if you watch the tape, you know, think about it and just maybe just, I don't know, kind of phone the information to yourself in a room by yourself. Like if you're kind of in your own lane and not listening to what other people saying, you'd be surprised the type of information you can spout off and it might actually be right. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's a lot of people who are just kind of maybe just lost in some of the crossfire of what people are saying. And if you just evaluate the tape and just kind of take your time, you know, you can come to some really, really good conclusions. <laughs> well, as, as they say, man, when you fire up that tape, you see all the good, the bad, the ugly, yeah. right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and it's 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 exactly like that. And I think the most shocking thing is just you see so many players who have been kind of overhyped, and you send some kids up to kind of not so much fail, but just under deliver, unfortunately. And just some time I spent working at the college level uh, evaluating players, it, it just happens, and. Uh, the good thing I think some of my experiences taught me is just what certain coaches look for when they look at players. And that explains why you see players get the the higher marks, even though maybe their tape isn't quite up to par. You know, a lot of coaches, they look at demeanor, you know, like, are you tough? You know, do you, are you a football guy? <laughs> and then it's, <laughs> how do you fit in my system? You know, can you do what I want you to do that my current players can't do? Which, you know, if you can, that's great. You'd be an awesome system fit. Stuff like that is uh, is kind of what people look for. And then if you blend some of that with, okay, are they athletic enough? Are they, do they play uh, do they play hard enough? And then uh, obviously, what does that look like on tape? So yeah, firing up the tape is critical. And I think some of these people don't trust their eyes. I don't think so either, man. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of accounts out here that I mute just because of that very reason. <laughs> like, man, I don't, I don't want to see this popping up on my timeline. Get this Mac Jones shit out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it's hard because I mute some people. Other people, you know, I try to educate you. Be like, look, man, okay, I get it. But no, you know, and I, I've, I've reached this place where it's like, I found a way to just kind of politely, you know, kind of fade you a little bit where it's like, look, you know, I, I get what you're saying. I get it. But none of that matters. You know, I get that you think this guy has so much potential, but there's people that are further down the road who fail. <laughs> you know yep. what I'm saying? So, so, uh, and then part of it is, you know, I think 
the people that are, are are doing this are getting younger and younger or just less experienced but older and they're they're getting stuff out there uh easier uh when i first started evaluating prospects it was like 2011 i was like a junior in college uh, i was bored that's why i did it and i didn't really have a twitter so a lot of my dumbest takes stayed with me for the first like you know <laughs> two years or so and then actually in 2014 was when i said okay let's get out there and really start doing it. and that's when i started writing more and that kind of thing and so i think these people that are out here now unfortunately their their dumb mistakes aren't staying with them you know it takes a couple of draft classes before you realize what's not going to happen and what is you know what's going to work and what type of people succeed absolutely and that's what my co-host a dub and i we talk about we talk about that a lot on this show and that's why we were so excited to have you on today because I said, man, I want him to break down some of these quarterbacks. So I know I just took a shot at Mac Jones. But on this episode, I wanted to get to get your thoughts on what you're seeing with some of these quarterback rankings. So we've had the pro days. We saw that the Niners traded up. So a lot of people are wondering if they're going to trade up to get Mac Jones. If they do that, God bless them. I just don't, I'm not too <laughs> high on him. But what are some of your thoughts on some of these QB rankings of, of guys that the Bears could actually attain? Because obviously we know – Fields and Lawrence and Wilson and these guys aren't going to be there, probably even not even Trey Lance, unless we trade up. And one thing I remember, we, you and I chopped it up a couple months mm-hmm. ago about Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Have you, has your opinion about him changed? Because I know at that time you weren't really sold on him. I, you know, I, I, I think I've softened uh, my, my stance on him. There's just been too often where you've seen a guy that started for a year, done really well in that one year just not succeed. But this is also, I think times are changing. I think as an evaluator, I think my game has to change. I think other people have to change too. Sometimes all you're going to have is when you're a tape, especially this year, you know, we're in a whole pandemic, you know, who knows, maybe Trey would have played this season and maybe, you know, it would have been even better, which would have been great for a stock, or maybe he would have regressed a little bit. Regards to these draft rankings, to me, I feel like the more years you start, the more we see who you really are. You know what I'm saying? So if you have three years as a starter and they're like phenomenal, then, okay, maybe that's a guy that, you know, aside from physical traits, you know, what you see on tape is part of what you may be getting in the league. So um, in terms of what people have been doing with Trey Lance, I've seen him all over the board. It seems like if I were to guess, he may be a consensus third quarterback for a lot of people. Right. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. In this draft class with some of the guys that are there, um, I'd be totally fine with that. My rankings right now, I have Fields first, I got Lawrence second, and I have Ooh. Lance third, Wilson oh, fourth. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A-Dub, did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that, man. I, I want to make sure you yeah. said Fields first? Yeah, I'm not afraid to say it. Fields first. Yeah. He, now, hey, he, hey, he, hey, he, he, he said that with his whole chest, by the way. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and I'm okay being wrong on it if it if it ha- ends up being that way. But just based on what I saw with the tape, Fields does uh, – a lot of people say mental processing, stuff like that. I'll say this. Sometimes he just holds on to the ball too long. Yeah. He got hit a lot. He got hit a lot. Yeah, he did. He took a lot of hits. When I was uh, working at Northern, there's this play called Torpedo Blue, and you basically have two linebackers kind of twist and hit the A-gap together. And Northwestern just murdered him with that like two or three times. And it was it was tough. It was tough for him to get rid of the ball. and stuff for him to make good reads. and. For him, it's just if he doesn't hold on to the ball too long or if he gets a little bit of time, he's going to destroy you. Justin Fields in a clean pocket is murderous. And I see all these uh, – everyone's shown me pictures. I'm sure you've seen on Twitter pictures of um, – I think it's uh, it's Zach Wilson from yep. BYU, and he's in a pocket, completely clean, clean pocket almost all the time, and he's throwing strikes. Yep. It would be the same deal with Justin Fields. And now, obviously, it's a different level of competition and that kind of thing. But to me, he has it. 
his accuracy, his deep ball, his arm strength, he's got like everything you need in a in a quarterback in the position. So I don't know why people aren't taking him. It's got to be a – I hate to play the race card, but I've never seen teams go this hard on a guy. To be honest, it was easier for Jameis Winston out the gate to get higher rankings than it is it for sure Justin was. Fields. Talk that talk, bro, because that's the kind of stuff that me yeah. and A-Dub, we speak on on this show because there's a reason why – Justin Fields is not getting respect. Put some respect on this man's name. That's why when you put him number one, I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To me, the tape's best. He's making complex reads. He's succeeding. He was a three-year starter. He did really well. He's mobile. He's accurate. The arm's strong enough. And he's got probably the best deep ball in the class. Now, Lawrence's pro day, his deep ball was excellent. But at the same time, you look at Clemson's tape, they have a different style of offense. They get out on the perimeter. They do screens, RPOs, bubbles, slants. You know what I'm saying? It's just we're faster than we're not going to try to go vertical. That ended up costing them down the road in the playoff, but that's how they play. That's the type of game they call. Based on what I've seen on tape, I got to go Fields because he just goes vertical with so much success, pretty much. So you said you had Fields, Lawrence. Did you have Zach Wilson third? Really, it's kind of like a tie between him and Lance. Um, I'm giving, I mean, I guess if you if you hold me to it today, I'll go Lance first. But by draft day, I may end up putting Wilson there. <laughs> you know, if you guys want to kill me over that, it's fine. I might flip-flop my third quarterback. But yeah. <laughs> it's all love here, bro. So when you look at Zach Wilson, you talked about those clean pockets, and a lot of people were going mm-hmm. crazy over his pro day. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts there with that pro day that he had? Because I, I look at those pro days a little differently than other people do. I say mm-hmm. these things have been rehearsed. They know where the ball is going. So I don't put as much stock in that. But what do you look at with these pro days? What I look for is just for certain guys, they matter. I think pro days are made for guys like Trevor Lawrence, like Justin Fields, uh, like Zach Wilson. You got a good arm or if you have a special arm, I think Zach Wilson's arm is special. He probably throws the hardest out of anyone in this draft. Uh, So, yeah, the pro days are made for guys like that. That's it, it. To me, I would watch maybe 30 seconds of it and then just keep going on about my day. Um, guys like Davis Mills, Mac Jones, Kellen Mond, those are the pro days you kind of want to see because I even like shared it on Twitter. Like scouts and uh, no, the, the broadcasters were raving about his arm strength. He was pushing the ball 30 yards down the field. Like that was his, his bomb. You know what I'm saying? Like that was his deep <laughs> ball. He, he, and he's not even hitting guys in stride. A couple of those he's throwing to make 45 yards and the guy has to slow stop and, you know, catch it. That, to me, on a pro day, I don't want to see that. He's putting his whole body into his throw. He's barely getting to 40 yards. Meanwhile, if you compare, you look at Justin Fields or you look at, I think it was Zach Wilson that made that, you know, turn around kind of off your back foot and just that was, threw that was 55 sick. yards. That and was he sick. hit a guy in stride. And he yeah. hit the ball 15 to 20 yards more than uh, more than Mac Jones. So, to me, the pro day is an end-all, be-all, but it's definitely like a you get to check the boxes. And for those that think Mac Jones has a strong enough arm, I I didn't see it. I didn't see it on tape, and I definitely didn't see it as pro day. So you already know what my conclusion is. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I, I could close the book on that, but that's kind of where, I, where I'm at with it. And and I hope that the Chicago Bears closed the book on that because I saw that they met with him at the at his uh, pro day and they had a, a workout with him. And I'm like, this Ryan Pace, just stop playing with us bro that's the thing i think if he's there at 20 they take him i just hope he's not there at oh, <laughs> you know what i'm saying I, th- I think that's what it is and, and that's whatever team is going to get him he feels like the bears pick i said it almost three months ago because a it's going to play well with the media right alabama's a winner um mm-hmm. he's a guy that's he only is a one season starter but people are going to look at him for some reason is more experienced or savvy than trey lance when to me they play in different systems. One is more sophisticated than the other, but mentally, I don't think there's any tangible evidence that one's capable of more mentally than the other. 
So I, I would just say this, and I want to get you and A Dub's thoughts on this when it comes to Mac Jones, because audience, now we're about to break down some of these, these options for Mac Jones on down. When you guys look at a Mac Jones, I say, okay, great. He had a decent season there in 2020, but does that type of productivity transfer or does that skill set transfer to the NFL? Because you saw what, what Montel said about his pro day. So I want to get you guys' thoughts on that because Alabama had a plethora of weapons around him. So what do you guys think there? What I think, Perez, when I think about Mac Jones in general, I think about him more from a cerebral standpoint. He has the skills. He's not, he doesn't have the talent as some of these other guys have. Like you talk about Justin Fields. They all are more talented than him. But what he does have is that this guy makes quick reads. He can read the field, survey the field pretty quickly, and make quick throws. And most of the throws he makes there are pretty much accurate. And that's what I look for in a quarterback. It's not just how far can you throw the ball. It's also how Mm -hmm. accurate can Mm -hmm. you throw it and how quick can you Mm -hmm. throw it. Because, again, Mm -hmm. if the number one ain't there, can you go to number two, number three, right? Can you hit the tight end? Can you hit the running back really quickly, right? Can you get that ball out your hands pretty quickly? And that's all part of the game. You hold that ball too long, like Justin Fields did a lot of times as well, you're trying to make something happen out of nothing. What this guy does, he knows he's limited in talent-wise. So he does a lot, he uses a lot of his skill set. When he makes those throws, they come out pretty quickly and crispy. I agree 100% with that. If there's anything that you can rely on with Mac Jones, the ball will come out on time. It'll come out accurately. On tape, you just can't debate that. He puts the ball where it needs to go. I mean, Jalen Waddle's extremely fast. So if you underthrow him, like, I'll let it go. But, uh, you know, there's some times where he did leave some deep balls hanging up there. But, I mean, anything intermediate, you know, he'll get it there and he puts it there on accurately uh, and usually on time. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. I have questions about a ceiling as a player, but it, it's mm-hmm. really about a supporting cast and the types of things he's going to be dealt with from, or the type of things he'll have to deal with from an adversity standpoint in the NFL. Um, I think... In terms of how that transfers, it, it comes down a little bit to traits. There have been some highly productive college players who just couldn't get it done in NFL. Been due to a lot of different reasons, from mental acumen to arm strength to you know injuries. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to know where to put them. Um, I compared Mac Jones to Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson, for his time, was a very good quarterback. He was he was never great, but he won hey. a Super Bowl. He won a lot he was of games. Solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, solid. Yep. I read something. I don't know who posted it, but someone compared Mac Jones to Kurt Warner. And even that would make me think. Like, I didn't hate the comparison. And Kurt Warner played a long time in the NFL. If you look at it statistically, it's just so much different now. Like, he, he was considered very good, even though some of those numbers don't look so good today. But I could even see that. If you want to call him Kurt Warner, you can you can do that. He had Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt and Marshall Falk and Orlando right. Pace. And, you know, like, if, if that's uh, if that's the comparison, I'll, I'll let that one slide, too. Yeah, he can be Kurt Warner. He can be those guys. The greatest show on turf. But are they comparing him to Kurt Warner when he was bagging up them groceries? Or are they comparing him to Kurt <laughs> Warner was out there playing on the field? That's what I want to know. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say is you can, you can say Kurt Warner was this and that, but part of his legacy is the fact that he was not drafted in the first round. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. If he was drafted right. in the first round, I think you look at him totally differently. And even though he probably might have still met his expectations, being a guy that won a Super Bowl and went to another one later in life, but, you know, in, between those two periods of time, he did have some struggles. So I think where you're drafted does kind of shape your narrative as to how people view your success in NFL, which for Mac Jones, I mean, with like AJ McCarron, for instance, the only other guy that uh, I think people have compared him to from that school, he was taken in the second round. So if you, if Mac Jones was projected to go second, third round, I'd be really on his side. I'd really hope for the best. And he would do nothing but over deliver top 10, top 20. It puts him in a situation where it's a little tougher to achieve. 
And so, Montel, you're seeing how these draft boards are working, and it seems like Mac Jones is moving up in that first round. So that'd be interesting to see because, I don't know, man, they might be setting him up for some unfair expectations, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's really it. Usually, especially if this were like, you know, 10 years ago, a guy like a Mac Jones would end up somewhere like a Pittsburgh, like a New Orleans, where you could sit for a year, play around a lot of weapons, and then, you know, it'd be your show in 2022 or something like that. You know, unfortunately, it's just not like that right now. Everyone's a guy now. No yep. one's really sitting for a full season. And teams are just going to take a guy. And this is also just a very bad year to quarterback. I can't stress that enough because everyone realized they needed a quarterback this year. And mm-hmm. people have gone about it different ways. You've seen some trade-ups. But there are just more quarterback-needy things right now. And that's part of the reason, too. So, Martel, that's a great point because when you look at that first round, there's probably at least, and I'm not exaggerating, there's probably at least seven or eight teams that probably need a quarterback, guys. And so when yeah. the Bears sit at 20, I'm like, dude, there could be some teams that could trade up over our heads to grab somebody. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's the crazy part. And this is after, you know, teams have traded to get a guy. This is after the Colts found their guy. You know what I'm saying? This is after all this free agency stuff that's happened, there's still that many teams that need a quarterback. It's something else. I think the only thing that's generational about this draft class is how badly people need a quarterback. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yep. How do you feel about Kellen Bond? I love Kellen Bond. And actually, I was just about to bring that up uh, for you guys is because there's some things that I looked at on tape that I'm concerned about why wasn't he more productive. But from a skill standpoint, I see no drop-off between him and Mac Jones. I don't see a single thing Mac Jones can do that Kellen Bond can't on tape. I mean, he has a very, very good tight end he was throwing to. That guy might be a pro-type guy in a year. But, and he has some very good running backs. Those guys will be pros next year. But other than that, I don't really see – you know, a dynamic skill player that he's throwing to that would elevate his game at all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a little bit different of a starting cast, uh, a supporting cast. You hit a good point, though, about a supporting cast, because I thought Mac Jones had a better supporting cast than he did. One thing I like about mm-hmm. this guy, Monk, this guy I thought was big time in the game. Because the thing is, this yeah. guy wasn't afraid of the moment. Came nope. to play, he brought it all on the line. Like you say, he can make accurate throws. He got a little bit more mobility. He can move around, man. I think I like his throws, too. I mean, he can throw it longer, he can throw it short as well. And he kind of showed a... a, a a lot of things he can do, um, like you say, that Mac Jones can do. But I think with him, much bigger, stronger, I think he can do a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah, he's got more years as a starter. And I think one yep. thing people look at him is he's been at a and forever, but that's good. You know, for all those years he played at a and he's only 11 months old or older than Trey Lance, who's like a baby. He's not even going to be old enough to drink on draft day. So, so to imagine all that experience at age 21. If anyone has just scratched the surface of what they could do, it's probably him. Also, let's keep in mind now, he played under Jimbo Fisher. And so mm-hmm. he executed one of the more difficult offenses in college football. And I don't think enough people give him credit for that. Right. They really don't. And I think uh, just with some of the things he did, I think he, uh, in terms of some of the reads he made, good, not great at times. I think some of the stuff he's doing with Jimbo is a lot of pre-snap stuff. But and he executed it well. He did what was asked of him. And I think there are times where, he said, you know what, I could, yeah, he stayed within the confines of the offense. I don't think he was a guy who said, oh, I'm a freelance, I'm going to run left, run right, see what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really just said, I'm going to get this ball out on time and accurately. I like him. I think, I really think there's more to him than we've seen. But just going on what we've seen, I think he's going to be a guy that could sneak into the second round. Some people say first. I don't really think first. But with the right team in the first, it's not going to look that bad. But I, I really think a guy like him to go early day two. I like putting guys in a position over deliver. So if he could be a second, third round guy, but for a team that really needs a quarterback, 
you might really be impressed with the veteran he beats out to end up playing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because like, he's, he's smart, too, and, and he's mm-hmm. a leader. Um, there are some things, if you read into Texas A&M, uh, their campus, you know, they had this um, Confederate statue. He led the charge to say, hey, I don't like that. Take it yep. down. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And as a quarterback in the South, uh, to make that decision, to take that stand, A, it means you're courageous, and B, it means you're – you're intelligent enough to, to uh, I guess, you're, to express how you feel uh, on a large platform under some heat. You know, a lot of people, um, especially like I, I've been around college players for a long time. A lot of people will feel a certain way and they'll say everything in the locker room. And but they're not really trying to take that stand and deal with that heat. But he said, yes, I'm not with it. And I'll go to any interview. I'll interview wherever you want me to. And we'll talk about it. And I'll explain to you exactly why. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yep. that takes courage. Yeah, yeah, especially down there in Texas, where we already know what time mm-hmm. it is down there, you know? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, they've been they've been masked off for the last month and a half, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they're like, what COVID, they dub? What COVID? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I like what you exactly. said around that. I like, I like what you said around that, Montel, because he makes me believe that he'll be one of those guys who'll be good in the community. It's always good to see them in the community doing things that try to move the culture and all things. And I like that idea. And I think with him, he's one of those guys I think can, can do that. Yep. Fellas, after Kellen Mond, I don't know how you guys' QB rankings shape up. I kind of look at Davis Mills. If you guys have another guy, throw him out there. But I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on him because that's another name that we're seeing. He's starting to kind of get a little nice buzz about him as well. I think when you get to the Davis Mills portion of the draft, though, like to me, you know, that's almost like, you know, in theater when the play is over and you just kind of close the curtain. That, that's when you're closing <laughs> the curtain on the starting quarterback portion of the draft. You know, okay. I don't I don't see Davis Mills becoming a starter in the NFL. I think he'd be a decent quality backup. But uh, for a guy in that offense, uh, doesn't throw super hard, wasn't trusted very much to do much. Uh, production was very, I mean, it was okay for the offense. You know, a lot of Stanford quarterbacks aren't exactly lighting it up because, you know, that's what they do. You know, they're not going to really try to throw as many times as they can in the game. So I, I get it. What I like about him, he's got a good ability to create. There's a lot of times on tape, things break down. He knows how to, you know, keep his wits about him, throw a short pass. He, he'll do anything he can to get the ball down the field. So if you're looking for a quarterback, especially as a backup, that can keep you on schedule, avoid the dumb plays. He can do that. I agree with you on that, Montel. I wasn't quite sold on Davis Mills. And I look at also you playing against competition-wise. He didn't really, to me, stand out like that to the point I could say, oh, man, this guy's a game changer type quarterback. I thought he played yeah. within himself, played consistent, of mm-hmm. course, but he didn't do nothing mm-hmm. that made you think like, you know what? Yeah, this guy's got started looking all over his, you know, over him. But I will say yeah. he did do what was expected of him. They asked him to do certain things. He did it mm-hmm. within the limited talent they was dealing with. So for me, I just looked at how he performs against some of the top talent. And I didn't see that guy that says, you know what? Yeah, this guy can take on any type of talent he's going against and he'll do well. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I can see him as a guy who comes as, as a maybe a second or third string quarterback that can probably try to move up. It's going to take a little bit more time to continue to develop. That's why I see him. So I, I wouldn't think he's a starting mm-hmm. quarterback, but I, I will say maybe second or third, that'll give him a good chance to continue to develop. What Montel mentioned earlier in, in regards to these pro days, I think Davis Mills benefited from having a really solid pro day. I think that's the thing that kind of got yeah. him on the map. But if yep. you mm-hmm. look at his college career, guys, think about it. He went through red shirt periods. He basically was mm-hmm. a backup to Costello for two years. So he hasn't mm-hmm. had a lot of dropbacks in his college career. So there's not a whole lot of really good tape on him. So this is a name mm-hmm. right here that's kind of polarizing if you think about mm-hmm. it. 
Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think he's really good. I, I like the, I mean, I like for him the exposure he's getting. I like it when guys who, you know, stayed the course didn't transfer. You know, I mean, not that I'm against transferring, but he did. He believed he'd be the starter one day there, and you know, what I'm saying it, it's a feel good story. I guess is what I'm saying. Like it, it was a backup. Costello wasn't really that great, but I mean, he he managed to transfer to Mississippi State. That gave uh, Mills the opportunity, so he did the most he could with his opportunity. I mean, there, there's tape there that says okay this guy is something in the nfl I, I don't know if people have that pegged down correctly like i don't know if he's a starter but there's something there that says yeah you can he can be on a roster he can play like i said he can keep you on schedule that's what i see on tape he's very good at that i think in terms of other quarterbacks like just above him is a guy that i think should get more love and that's jamie newman he played at wake for a couple years yes, sir. georgia i really think had he gotten a chance to well he, he uh he opted out but yeah. if he decides to play, because um, I really think his draft stock will be totally different. I mean, you got to think about it. That Georgia had a very, very good season with like their four string quarterback. So I'm just, you know, imagine if they had a guy like Jamie who can, he's got the arm strength, he's got the mobility, he's tough as nails, he's accurate. And he's a guy that's really taken the time to improve his game. Like he loves being a quarterback. And I was on Wake Forest campus in the recruiting office. I worked there. For, I worked there for like two and a half, three years. He was a guy who saw himself as the guy as since he was a freshman. He knew he was going to get a chance to be a starter. He knew he was going to be a really, really good player, and he 100% killed it. But I really think that's the guy that people are, are sleeping on. You know, a lot of people are – I'm hearing a lot about anybody from Felipe Franks to Davis Mills to Kyle Trask. James better than all of them. Dude, don't even mention that Kyle Trask name to me. <laughs> fam, I've had so many people texting me. They're like, bro, did you know that Dalton and Trask, they work out together? And I'm like, bro, get off of my phone with this nonsense, dude. Do not talk to me about this guy. I'm like, did you see who he was throwing to in Florida? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, man, that's the best uh, tight end in the college football, right? And then right. what? Yeah. Uh, one of the better uh, receivers in the college football. Yeah, and, yeah. And, Tony, and Tony, he's a beast, bro. God, man, he has so many weapons. <laughs> but Oh, yeah. To your point about Jamie, Jamie Newman, that, this is a guy that I really liked because he went down to the Senior Bowl. I know he struggled on the, like, the last day of the practices, but for the most part, I think he showed, like, look, he belongs in the NFL. He's got the arm talent. I think he mm-hmm. might be like more of a day three quarterback, but he's going to surprise some people. I think that opting out of the 2020 season, I think that kind of hurt him, just from my, from mm-hmm. my opinion. No, I agree with you, Chris. I think that him opting out did hurt him because you're right. I wasn't sold too much on him in, in, the, um, in that senior bowl at all. I'm like, ah, I didn't look too great. Uh, but overall, before that, right, he had a very good year, you know, before he opted out for the, you know, for that last year he didn't play. But mm-hmm. I think this guy is one who has the talent. You asked me, he got the talent. Like you said, the arm strength. If this could be a good blessing in disguise for the Bears if he's down there for the Bears to draft, right? Because again, this is a guy who can show more. I mean, he's very competitive. He knows where he's at right now. He's looking at all this, uh, these other guys who we think he's he's better than. I think he's looking at all these guys, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. He's mm-hmm. like, look, you guys saying these guys are better than me. Guess what? I'm not done yet. I had a rough year, you know, um, Rough game, but overall, the talent, the skill, they're all there, man. He got all the twos, really, and all the intangibles. Mm-hmm. So I would love mm-hmm. to see him get an opportunity. He's got really good downfield ball placement. So on that yeah. deep throw, really good there. But the one knock that a lot of people will tell you about him, and this is something that I wondered, Montel, because I know you saw him closer than, than we did. The offense that they ran at Wake, that was more mm-hmm. of like a college-style offense. So I just wonder, do you think – NFL teams would be able to develop him and get him into a system where he can basically do what he does best. Cause I wonder 
that Wake with that Wake uh, Forest offense if that was the best fit for his skill set? Uh, I think it was, I think it was pretty good. I think they're better. Um, I think what Georgia does would have been really, really fun to watch, but I, I look at it like this. I've said this a, a few years ago is that there are some college offenses that are really, really nuanced that'll get you pro ready, but that's really like the one percentile, the top percentile of college offenses. The other 99 are kind of like the Kardashian sisters, Kardashian Jenner sisters, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll pretend one is better than the other, but they're all really the same on each side. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like they're all. They're all that. fundamentally the same type of people, <laughs> you know, one's not that much more complex or special. So um, what Wake does offensively is like a uh, what they like to do in some uh, ways on offense is more like a delayed mesh point RPO. You see that a lot. Uh, that's kind of like their signature almost in the, in the ACC. So that kind of allows you to utilize a three man game where you're pretty much quarterback has the ball. It looks read option is he'll have the option to obviously give it to the back run or kind of hold it and go RPO. So they were able to destroy teams by just doing that. And that's kind of the beauty of having a guy with his type of athleticism, his kind of arm. And uh, you got to be able to make a good judgment call too. They do some other stuff too, where they spread stuff out. I think uh, he excelled at some of those type of packages in place too. They went 11 personnel a whole lot. What they do, it, it, it requires you to be successful down the field. You have to be able to throw downfield with velocity in that offense. That's what brings everything together. Um, and you also have to have receivers that can win. They do. Sage did a great job. But so in terms of how it translates to the NFL level, to me, it looks like you have he has the arm strength at various levels to be able to make the throws as well as some of the accuracy needed. From a mental standpoint, can he process some things? I think that'll be his greatest area of development. I do think out of all the things is NFL office will test him more. There will be more options. There will be more nuanced things, more different option routes, that kind of thing. So yeah, it, it'll present a challenge for him at the next level, but not that much more compared to a lot of the quarterbacks in this class. And that's a fair point. And one thing that I wanted to get both of you guys' thoughts on, and you guys may think I'm crazy, but it's just something that I think <laughs> of when I, when I see Jamie Newman. The offense that the Chargers ran last season with Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. I thought that if a team basically looked at Jamie Newman as a development prospect and maybe a year or two down the road that they say, okay, we're going to give this guy a shot. I think he could be productive in that type of an offense. But what do you guys think there with that, like that downfield type of passing game that the Chargers run? Yeah, yeah. Eric Coriel, yeah. The Chargers do variations of that. They've done it for a long time. Yeah, I think he'd be very good at it. Um, I think the key there is just I'll, hopefully you just end up on a team with a decent offensive line, right? That's going to be important. And I'd like to see him in that type of offense. I think that or I really like any, you know, you can do Walsh, Walsh Coast where it's almost like Nagy system where you're, uh, you're stretching the field lateral, you know? I think that's something he can excel at too. That may be a little bit more, um, you know, tough to pick up compared to what he's learned in the past. But between that and the, just kind of that vertical Coriel stuff that the Chargers do, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Preston, because the RPOs work well with him when you get a good run game going. And I think a guy like him could probably excel in that type of offense to where, hey, it's a dual threat. You got to worry about the running mm-hmm. game. We can also catch the ball out the backfield. And then you got to worry about that passing game as well. So with him, he's a guy that go into a good system like that to where you see a lot of the running back getting a lot of the catches. And you also see a threat mm-hmm. out there when they spread it out. So I think a guy like that will work very well in a system that's customized in that way. Okay. I can see yeah. that. I can yeah. see that. Obviously, we've pretty much broken down a lot of these quarterback options that are probably going to be within the Bears' wheelhouse. There's a mm-hmm. lot of other guys that are kind of like on the periphery. I'm not going to really get into those, but what do you think about uh, Felipe Franks? That was a guy that kind of flashed at the senior bowl. What, mm-hmm. what do you think there with him? 
Uh, you know, he's kind of like uh, this year's version of Logan Thomas. I don't know if you guys remember him from about yep. maybe six years ago. Really good quarterback at Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Similar skill set. You have a guy with uh, great mobility, a great arm, struggles with ball placement, and sometimes it's just about, you know, mental, you know, acumen. Can he pick up the playbook? Is he going to be able to make the calls at the line of scrimmage, the adjustments? Uh, I think at Arkansas, he did do a better job of that. At Florida, Florida was kind of a train wreck. <laughs> but Arkansas, <laughs> Arkansas, Felipe Franks was a little bit more nuanced at the line of scrimmage, was a little bit more methodical in what he tried to do. But I did have some questions about his accuracy. So guys like Felipe Franks are part of the reason why guys like to go to Cedar Bowl. You want to see someone impress you with an awesome physical feet, and he can throw the ball a mile. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he's got a good arm. I don't know. A team could take a guy like that late. I guess it depends on system fit and, and what you think he can do mentally. But I would take a guy like that over, say, a Davis Mills later because eventually, you know, if you're down and you need a guy to come in the game, sometimes you need someone that can that can make a throw, you know. Sometimes you have these quarterbacks. I mean, you know, we know Bears history. Sometimes the game will come down to three throws, you know. So that you mm-hmm. have to back up in the game. The game will come down to three throws. And it's like uh, you don't want that guy who you know, can't get that break where suddenly you got Darnell Mooney running 30 yards down the field uh, open. Mills isn't hitting that guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not going to hit four or three speed and stride, you know? So I don't know. Um, if it was on me, if I was a team that specifically said, hey, we're going to get a backup quarterback. We really need a backup quarterback. We're going to give him a good runway where he might not have to play the first year. We're going to develop him. And he wants this, like he really wants this and is going to work at it. That might be a team that would want to do like a Felipe Franks. Uh, I think he still has some things to prove. And I really would get him as a backup. If you know you need a backup and you want to develop your backup later, maybe day two, maybe probably day three, that might be a dude you want. And that's fair. And and, and A-Dub, one thing I was going to say about, because I agree with what Montel said there, the only issue that I have with him, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is he struggles to read the field a little bit for me. And so yeah. I just wonder, like, about that aspect with him with basically that transition to the pros. Yeah, that's a big factor right there, Prez, with him reading the field, because when he has a better tools around him, better offensive guys, elite guys, he plays better. Like I told him in, in the senior bowl, he, he looked good, man, with the weapons he had around him, looked more comfortable. But I think with the reads, reading things down the field, he doesn't always make crispy pass like that. I mean, he become inaccurate. Matter of fact, he make bad throws sometimes. I saw a lot of that. With the season, I was like, yeah, this guy making some bad throws. I was like, well, he needs, you know, yeah. to really slow down. Yeah. But when he gets time, whatever, he's comfortable in the pocket, he makes better throws. But when you make him a little bit uncomfortable, that's why you start to see a lot of those inconsistencies going in, those bad reads, right? Those bad throws. And it, it comes about when you get more pre- when you get that pressure on him. So for me, a guy like him, I wonder what it'd be in the pro level when that pressure starts to hit harder on him. You know, can he work through that process? Can he continue to develop? And that's gonna be a key factor for wherever he goes. They're going to have to continue to work mm-hmm. with him around that factor because you don't have much time to throw. You got about two, three seconds. What can you do? Can you read the field really quickly and check down your throws? Because he didn't do a good job at doing that last year. 100% agree with you. Yeah. Yep. And Chicago ain't the place for that because we already see what Nagy could do with someone that can't read the fucking field. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I was just saying. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like him for, for the Bears at all. I agree with you 100%. I think he does have a lot of issues reading the field and, and he's made some bad decisions on tape. When you commit to saying, hey, we're going to take a day three developmental guy, I'm just saying, give me a developmental guy with a tool. That's okay. all I'm saying. That's you fair. Because there's plenty of brilliant guys that have been backups that can't do anything for you if it matters. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's plenty of <laughs> plenty, there's plenty of Kellen Moore's out there. And I love Kellen Moore as a college player. Plenty of Kellen Moore's out there. 
those guys, I mean, if you need to, to get through a game, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. So <laughs> that's all I'm saying. If, uh, develop me. I want to develop a guy with, with the tools, if, if possible. That's fair. <laughs> that's, it. that's totally fair. Any other quarterbacks, Martel, that we haven't talked about that kind of caught your eye? Uh, you know, not, not really been through, let me see the starters. Yeah, no, that's, that's about it. So you see, uh, a dub, he, he didn't even give Ian book any sort of respect. I see him. I mean, yeah, Ian book, uh, Sam Ellinger, you know, those, those guys, that's another, you know, curtain closing moment where it's like, I mean, <laughs> you know, like, like, like if you want a guy, you know, uh, you sure. Um, and they're all developmental. <laughs> They're all developmental. I mean, I was I saw him live in his first start because he went against Wake Forest. So I mean, I I know what he's able of when he's on. I just think uh, just from an NFL standpoint, there's just so many really, really, really good college players. And then you start talking NFL, and it's just I don't know what that's going to look like for him. Um, <laughs> I can see the Bears. I can see the Bears taking a guy like that now, um, maybe later, just to say, hey, we got a quarterback. Look at our quarterback. We got Ian Book. You know that guy, right? <laughs> So um, who knows? Matter of fact, I think the Bears hired a, an assistant from Texas as well. So Sam Ellinger might be a play as well. So we we for all the talking we did of all these other guys, the reality is maybe it's one of those two guys. You know, maybe it, it could very well be it. So um, Sam Sam Ellinger, man, when he went down there to Texas, I mean, I thought, man, I thought he was going to do so much down there, man. <laughs> that's that's a crazy mm-hmm. situation with him. He's got the experience though. He does. And, and I like him though. I, I, I like Sam, man. I, I think Sam has some some good tools, some good traits. He is a quarterback. I like his uh, skill set. I mean, like I said, he's a guy got good mechanics though. You just don't see that that next level yet for him. So I think for him, he's a good guy you can continue to develop. So I would love to see somebody pick him up and develop him, and hopefully he gets this chance. But right now, you can't see him as one of those top quarterbacks at, at this point. Well, mm-hmm. this is the thing we see, we seen Sam Ellinger before. As his name is Trace McSorley. That's all I'm gonna tell you guys. Hey, I ain't gonna argue with you. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good take. It's a pretty good one. So I'm just telling you, Monty. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts here on the, on on, the, on your mock draft. So mm-hmm. obviously, when we look at this Bears team, we got a lot of needs. Obviously, quarterback, mm-hmm. offensive line, wide receiver. Defensive back because we released Kyle Fuller. And I think we need an edge rusher. But I wanted to get your mm-hmm. thoughts on just like kind of round by round. What do you kind of see us doing here in this draft before we get out of here today? Sure. Um, and I just want to um, I want to just make sure I just preface, you know, the following by telling y'all a lot of times I like to do what is best for the Bears. Okay. So don't hate me for this. I'm not going to mock based on what Ryan Pace would do. OK, because. Mostly because I want y'all to invite me back maybe one day and not hate me forever. <laughs> uh, because, uh, and, and just briefly on Ryan Pace, I just feel like he's that guy where it's kind of like, I don't know, if y'all are all out of the bar and it's like karaoke night and, you know, your friends had a couple of drinks that you gassed them up. Yeah, yeah, you should sing, dude. You should sing. Come on, man. Come on, stage. Like, Ryan Pace, that dude where, you know, you gas him up to sing and then he gets up there with the mic and maybe 10 seconds later, it's like, yeah, that was a bad idea. We should have <laughs> oh, well, sorry, dog. We be like that. You know what I'm saying? So on draft day, especially in the first round, that that's Ryan Pace. You know, you know, you just have him to take the mic. There's so many great things you can do other than take the mic and sing karaoke. And he's he's gonna belt out some Aretha Franklin or something, and it's gonna be like, man, like, why are we even do that? You know, like, right. So so, and then, yeah, and then we and then we and then we end up with Kevin White. You know, yeah, that's yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Now, that's, of course, with the exception of Roquan Smith. That's the first guy that I said the Bears should take this dude, and they actually did it, and that, that worked out pretty well. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. Yep. But um, so if I were to do a, my draft on the Bears, uh, first round at pick 20, I'm going to give uh, them what they need. I feel like there should be plenty of, uh, you know, like decent depth. So I'm going to give them an offensive tackle. Um, I'm going to give them Tevin Jenkins in the first round. I'm going to say there'll be a huge, huge run. Obviously, I'd want Derisaw if he was there. I think there's no way he's there. I think I've got Tevin Jenkins uh, and um, I've got Tevin Jenkins and Alex uh, Leatherwood, both as first round guys. Whoever's there, they're going to take, I think, because there's just I don't feel comfortable going into the season with the plan being Jermaine Effetti starting at right back. I don't (laughs) feel comfortable with it. Now, as a backup, maybe, you know, because they've got him. But me taking right tackle first round. And then the funny thing is offensive line, a lot of people want to give them like two, three guys off the line. With just one new tackle with Leno just being the stability he is on the other side, you're going to look better. It's going to look really good at times, too. You, you should be above average with that, uh, especially if everyone stays healthy. So that's the first round. Okay, so second round. At 52, I've got him going quarterback, and I'm going to give him Keller Mond. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say they um, – now, this is going to be different because, like I said, Pace, he kind of goes offense, defense, and defense, offense. You know, he tries to appease both sides of the ball there early. Um, so, I, you know, if we if we differ, it'll definitely be there. But I think, A, if you if you go with a quarterback like, like Mond in the second round, I think that is just high enough to where I think – the Bears fan base feels validated in the sense that he sees the need for a quarterback beyond Andy Dalton. He sees the need to groom a quarterback in the future. You know what I'm saying? And this is, of course, assuming there's no trade-ups because that would be very, very tough to pull off, you know, like in the first round. So, yep. so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see where we're at with that. So that that that's the second round. We've already talked about Miles. You know what I like, what I don't like. I just think he really, really fits in that system. Third round, I think that's when they focus defense a little bit. Um, I think they'll try to go – a lot of different areas they could do. And I'm going to say a guy like a third round solo. If I would have bet, I bet this is the round that they trade up, but they're going to get some kind of a corner. And I would bet um, in the third round, they've got a chance at a guy like a Tyson Campbell or, yeah, I'm going to say Tyson Campbell ends up there at third at 83, even if they trade up to like a higher third. I'd say Tyson Campbell somehow ends up there. I don't know how, but it'll definitely be corner. He kind of fits what the Bears tend to like at corner. He's big, he's physical. Um, definitely not the ball skill guy that I would want, you know, at corner. But if they're really confident in what Jalen Johnson can do, and if they think they have the nickel of the future, they won't address it to round three. So honestly, this is about the best Bears-ish fit, you know what I'm saying, that you're going to see there. I think in the fifth round, they might go defensive line. I feel like they need to just go receiver here. So Fifth round at 164, I'm going to give them Amir Smith-Marset out of Iowa. That's like a taller receiver. He's pretty good, physical, Big Ten guy. That's a pretty good at his pro day. So I think that'd be like a really good player for them to go ahead and add in the mix. With all these needs, it's like, man, you know, you wish you could go receiver earlier. You wish you could go corner earlier. But this is going to be what it shakes out to be. Um, The more I get through this, the more I just feel confident that they're probably going to end up making a move somehow. In the sixth round, I'm going to say, I think they have like three or four. I think they have four or six round picks. I'm going to say they kind of trade those to somehow get back into the fifth. And they're going to get, I'm going to give them an edge rusher to Ron Jackson out of Coastal Carolina. I think that'll be a guy they go and take. Really good player. I think he's come on the scene late. 
has the length, strong, plays with decent pop, and I think they just need to start developing them because they're at a point now where Khalil Mack is incredible, but if anything happens to them, they're in trouble because you know they mm-hmm. barely have one other edge rusher, and, and they may end up needing two at some point. They got to start getting better there. Also, I think other than him, if they need to go and get an edge, they'll have some options. They ended up with, I want to say, it's is it Rump on their staff? So yep. one of their assistant coaches has a Duke edge rusher as a son. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That might be a chance where they go get them. They might need a fifth round to do it. So maybe they trade some of those sixths in the future for a five or something like that. That's usually what Pace does day, late day two, day three. He'll, he'll trade some picks to get up and get someone in the fourth or fifth round that he likes to. And it might not end up being that type of edge rusher. It, it wouldn't shock me if it was wrong for one of the guys I mentioned. Yeah, no, that hey, that's pretty good. And I agree with you there on that sixth round because when I look at how many picks we have there, I'm like, no mm-hmm. way he's not. Because you know Brian Pace loves to trade up. There's no way mm-hmm. he's held on to all those picks. <laughs> <laughs> he's exactly. trading up for us. <laughs> Especially four sixes. I mean, you almost, that's a case in itself to trade up because what are you going to do with four sixes? <laughs> you know, like, like what, what, what great things can come from that? I don't know. So um, it's just, like I said, he, he's in a difficult position because the Bears, they don't have a ton of cap space. They don't have a ton of draft capital. I think that stretch of winning three games dramatically changes what they can do in every round. You know, like you could go from per, round one pick 11 to round two pick 40, like that. What you can do with those picks is just totally different than round two with pick 52, round one at pick 20, round three at pick 83. So with the needs they have, I mean, at least they come out of it with a decent quarterback to groom for the future, a guy that can probably get you through a game if you need to and play early, a guy that can maybe be a starter later. you got a great uh, offensive lineman at a tackle for Tevin Jenkins. He is a killer. I don't know if you've seen the tape. A lot of people love Joseph Asai out of Texas. He murdered Joseph Asai for about three quarters. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I would strongly recommend watching the Tevin Jenkins uh, Texas tape. Oh, dude, he's, then, na- he's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so he, he destroyed him. So, um, you know, you end up with a really good offensive weapon. I think Amir Marset will come in and basically take all the reps away from poor Anthony Miller. So between uh, him, Mooney, you know, A-Rob that year, that might be a really, really good unit, and you just get faster. You get faster at receiving. So defensively, I think because of the, some of the contracts they have, you almost have to kind of wait and see with some of these guys. Hopefully, I know I know you guys were talking about Gibson earlier. I'd be really curious to see if they finally give Deion Bush a chance. I mean, I don't. It, to me, it's time to you know uh, either you're going to start or you're not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they can find another backup. They can find another backup. I don't think they need, you know, someone to spell. I don't think they specifically need him to spell the starter for, say, 10 reps a game. So either if you can't start, then what are we doing? You know, so they need to make a decision on him. I think defensive line, they're going to see themselves being pretty stout. I wanted to give them Gregory Rousseau in the first round, but then it's like you've got Rousseau, you've got Hicks, you've got Goldman, you've got Nichols. um, You've got a really bulky D-line with super athletic. If they were down one of those guys, I would probably do it. They would have a good chance to upgrade a defensive line, and I would probably say maybe corner might be a sneaky first-round thing they do. I'm glad you brought that up because that was something that I was kind of hearing, that that corner out of Northwestern. I've been hearing a lot of people talking about him, Newsom. He looks pretty good, man. I watch a lot of Big Ten football. I'm a U of I fan, and so the guy that you brought up, that receiver from Iowa, I really like him too because – 
Dude, his vertical ability, that boy goes up and he gets the ball, man. And so I really like him. He gets good release yeah. off the line, separation. I, I mean, even though I watched him against Illinois, but still, he looked pretty impressive. But Newsom, man, he has some ability, I think. And I think he's got an outside shot to go in that first round. Yeah, I mean, I really I really like uh, Newsom, and I think he's going to be – I mean, the only thing with him is just the injuries, you know. I mean, he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's been hurt. He's been down uh, a little bit with the injuries. But, yeah, he's very athletic. He had a great season at Northwestern. And that's a guy – I don't know where he'll end up going. People are saying late first. It's possible. If he stays healthy, I think it gets really interesting. He could be a great boundary corner in the NFL. And uh, just the tape and some of the things he does there, he's physical. He's a fit. And in this corner class, which, by the way, I mean, hopefully you guys can tell from the selections, I do not really like this corner class. So (laughs) it's just, I mean, it's good. You know, I like Farley and like some of those guys can go. But between there not being any combine and so with guys like J.C. Horn that people love, you don't know how he moves his hips. You don't know what his shuttle is. He's probably stiff as a board. But Mm -hmm. we're not going to find out until someone beats him, you know, like a drum in an NFL game. It (laughs) works out perfect for him. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, not a big fan of the corner class. Newsom's a guy, or yeah, Newsom's a guy I really, really like though. I hope, uh, if the bears were to take him in the first round, I have some in- injury questions, but at least that's a dude that I know can play when he's healthy. Right. Um, some of those dudes, you really don't know if they can play when they're healthy. People love Patrick Satan Jr. They call the pass interference, pass interference penalty way more in the NFL. He's going to struggle a little bit. He's gonna struggle. He, yeah, because he, he, he definitely but, gets his yeah. hands on people, don't he? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, all over people. And at Alabama against whoever you play, yeah, you're gonna get away with that. In the NFL, and you don't play for say what Green Bay, <laughs> that might be a, a tough one. That might be a tough one to pull off for him. Yeah, well, the one thing too though, about Newsom, uh, I think with him, the guy can play in any type of scheme that you put out there. He can play man coverage. You can put him in a zone. So I like that about him. And the kid's got some confidence. So. I definitely like oh, yeah. him. I, I wouldn't be upset if they somehow picked him in that first round. Yeah, I, I really hope they, uh, if they go corner, that would be the corner that I'm okay with signing off on because, yeah, he's explosive, he's versatile, and he can give you what you were kind of missing, you know, the, the explosion, the physicality. The, I mean, yeah, he, he can give you what you're missing by letting go of him. Yeah, because that was a big loss. That yeah. um, The edge rusher that you brought up, one mm-hmm. thing about him I wanted our audience to kind of hold in on, this guy has some really impressive sack numbers. I don't remember them offhand, but Montel, I, from what I remember, he was very productive at, at Coastal. A- am I on the right track with that with this kid? Yeah, yeah, you are. And that's one thing I was about to bring up is that when you get to that point in the draft, you really got to look at that record of production. That's going to be one of the more like telling things in terms of how successful you can be as an NFL player. So that record of production is something that I think is a little bit different from maybe the Bears' past strategy in terms of getting uh, an edge rusher and drafting guys. You know, this guy was someone that came in right away, was productive, played early. Um, Yeah, it's a Sun Belt, but to me, he's the ideal developmental edge rusher, hybrid defensive lineman. He can do multiple fronts. It seems like he has the potential to understand different types of gap control philosophies. And once again, even though it's a Sun Belt, the production was tremendous. You know, I mean, he had like 20 tacks and 20 tackles for loss, right? Something like that. So he looks like, and that's another thing, the Bears like dudes that look good coming off the bus. You know, that's a guy that's 6'3", 260, uh, long enough arms. And he's also upperclassman. So um, right. sometimes they do tend to to roll the dice on guys that are a little bit older. And he is, he's a little bit older. He's not the ideal draft age, but I think that's a guy that could come in and really help them right away, at least give them some depth. 
a guy that they traded up for last year. To me, the jury's still out on the, you know, the edge rusher they got. Uh, uh, Travis Gibson. Travis Gibson. You got it. Yep. Uh, jury's still out on that guy. This dude, he he's more ready to give you reps right now. Yeah, because that was the one thing with Gibson. We knew that was going to be a project, and that one is still, like you said, the jury's still out on that. But uh, at that part of the draft, though, that's kind of where you take a chance on those type of prospects. So that's why I was intrigued by that Jackson kid when you when you talked about because I did remember seeing a little bit of tape on him over the course of the season. So I was like, yeah, he, he's a goer. He's a goer. One thing, too. So with your mock draft, I liked it, but I almost kind of feel like because his office of uh, line class is so deep, Maybe they could just go ahead and target an offensive line guy in the second or third round. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think there? Yeah, yeah. There's so much they, talent there. They totally should. I think they should. The only thing was it just made me think, okay, well, it, it just made me think about value. Um, yeah. Because you could go receiver in the first, but the receiver might be like a Kadarius, Tony. Mm-hmm. I mean, good, good, but not great. Like, I like him. I don't love him. Not the first. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it depends on the receivers that are there, and it's tough. But I'm assuming – Tony be available, maybe Elijah Moore. Both those guys, if you get them in the second round, I think you're way happier. But in reality, they end up going in the first. So maybe maybe both those guys are on the Bears' radar. I could understand that. If you go more, especially, I like him a little bit more than Tony. Yeah. Um, if you go corner in the first round, tough. But corner, to me, isn't the most beautiful at the top, and it's also not super deep. So, yeah, I, I could get that, too. Um, and yeah, you're right. You could get a guy like a what a Dylan Raddins from UNC or mm-hmm. I'm sorry from uh, North Dakota North State. State. Yep. yep. So that's a guy that should be available round two at pick fifty if you want. And it should be uh, Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. That should be a guy you can get hopefully on day two as well. So yeah, I think they got a good shot, and it, it may end up going that way too. I'm just like we gotta we gotta steal this happiness now. I want to avoid Jermaine Petty. <laughs> starting at all costs. Because <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you what, he was serviceable at best, and that interior of the line, that's where I'm very positive about this Bears offensive line, but those tackles, bro, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we got to do something, fellas. <laughs> yeah, we do, man. And the thing you mentioned, Brad, is that what round you want to get one of those tackles in, right? Because I think one thing that um, Montel brought up about the fact about a Fetty, well, they did sign him for a nice amount of money, actually. But he got one $5 team. million, right? That's more than I thought he'd be, so for sure. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. But the thing is, they gave him that kind of money, right, for, for the season. I'm thinking to myself that, well, maybe you don't draft someone in the first round as a tackle. You might go, like Perez was saying, alluding to, maybe you go for the second or third round, possibly, right, because it's so loaded with talent in a draft class around tackle. So I can see them going with possibly maybe a wide receiver earlier than that, especially the fact they're looking at possibly shopping Miller. <laughs> they're looking like, hey, we want to get another weapon for sure because you never know what might happen between A-Rob, what may happen there after the season or during the season. So a lot of things you got to really think about. So, Yep. And I think that's the one thing, and that's part of the reason why I had the Bears taken in Miramar set, because that's a longer dude that could be, I mean, he might be more of your S receiver, mm-hmm. more of a right. possession guy at the next level, could be the X kind of like A-Rob, but it'd be funny because, you know, in the middle of this, because it's becoming a really bitter contract for A-Rob and the Bears, I mean, you're going to have like a Gemini man moment where you have, you know, extremely large Allen Robinson, who's very athletic and awesome, and then you have a Miramar set, just so much younger, 
equally tall, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. You know, they're just both going to be looking at each other in the face, you know, it's going to be kind of awkward. So I think it's going to be Well, Montel, we always joke about on this show how quickly A-Rob signed that damn uh, uh, franchise tag after he signed that wide receiver market. He snatched that money up quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't, and it's hard because, like, these guys, it's kind of like, you know, there's so much that you can, there's so many ways to, like, I guess, break this down and unpack it, but he didn't account for COVID when he decided nope. that he needed all this money. And that's literally it. Like in a perfectly right. normal market, I kind of get it. But now everybody can't afford to pay anyone. And because of the Bears past cap situation, you know, some of the things they decide to do, it's even harder for them. So he didn't really account for it. But I get it because now he has to sacrifice a whole other year as a pro to get the market that he's going to want in order to get paid long term in. And, you know, it's kind of like, man, I got to wait a whole year to get paid. That's like 200 more times I got to get tackled. That's, you know, like 100 <laughs> more practices. You know, what am I going to be like this time next year? You know, that's what he's thinking about. So I, I get both sides of it. And uh, it's just unfortunate it didn't work out. It's, it's still unfortunate that the cap has to be that low, too. You know, you I think know, with man. as much money as they have, there has to be some other way. But it, it, it advantages the owners long term, at least, to just wait. It Even sure if you're does. totally deserving to be paid. I get to wait a year, and unfortunately, if you get hurt, if your production dips, I get to pay you less. So, and that's why yeah. Montel, I've been concerned about that seventeenth game that they've added into the schedule. Well, think about a guy like A. Every chance he's out there, I man, there's a chance that like some sort of injury situation could come up, and now there goes that opportunity for him to get that long term deal. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. I will never get in between someone in their paper because I can't believe they they folded for the seventeenth game. If I play in the NFL, there is no way I would play an extra regular season game. If you had extra game to the playoffs, okay, cool. But an extra game to the regular season, which means I have to play for an 0-17 team, you know what I'm saying? Like, I have to line up one more time. There's no way I'd do that. So, I mean, with A-Rod, like I said, however he wants to handle it, and I've always said this, but however he wants to handle it, I'll support it. You know right. what I'm saying? If, if I would not be shocked if this season didn't go very well and around week 10 he ended up hurt. Week 11, just kind of just still that nagging injury. And you look up week 15, is A-Rob going to play? Look, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I would not. Seriously, like, if you play 10 games and you realize this team ain't got it, it ain't it, and they're not about to pay you, I'm not going to be mad if you nurse an injury for the rest of the season. Right. That, not, uh, look, my hamstring yeah. bothered me, coach. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I sneezed. I think I pulled something in my back. You know, like, <laughs> you know, so it'd be one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what happens, brother. We'll see what happens. But, hey, man, Martil, thanks so much, man, for coming on with us today. Before you get out of here, can you tell our listeners uh, where they can find you on Twitter and a little bit more about what you're up to these days? Sure, man. You can follow me on Twitter at Montel NFL, M-O-N-T-E-L, capital NFL. I write for the Bear Report. That's like the CBS 247 affiliate for the Chicago Bears. Uh, I'm doing some kind of like end of the year, last minute kind of draft stuff with them. Big board coming out. Well, actually, my draft coming out, then a final board, then some other things. Got some scouting reports on there now in regards to other projects. I'm doing some like analytic studies, trying to break down this ridiculously athletic class because they all happen to just be at a pro day um so you know we're, i'm doing some things on that hopefully going to break some things down and share it on twitter so you guys can see so um that's really what i got going on right now well i appreciate it man i'm gonna stay tuned because i you i'm telling you listeners if you're not following this guy please follow him. and I, I don't i don't care what happened with his original twitter account this man needs to have more followers than he has so do your job and start following this brother <laughs> yes sir <laughs> 
All right, my man. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks and enjoy the rest of your day, my man. Of course. And thank you both for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir, fam. All right, man. We'll we'll be in touch, bro. Pleasure, brother. Sure. All All right. right. Take it easy. Hey, Doug, man. That was a good episode, man. Yeah, man, Montel, man, came came with that knowledge, man. I, I love his insights, though. Uh, he has a lot of knowledge around this, man. He watched a lot of film, and he he brought it today. You could tell he didn't give my boy Ian Book any respect, but he he hooked up <laughs> my boy. He hooked up my boy Liam Eichenberg. You know, listeners, you know I'm a Notre Dame fan, and so yeah, he he had something he for did. Liam. So that was that was good. <laughs> that was good, exactly for your guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, babe. Adel, before we get out of here, I wanted to give a, a shout out to a couple of our listeners, uh, Notorious CMG and then Chad Beasley. These guys, they held us honest, man. Uh, the Rogue episode got uploaded last week, and these guys both reached out. They were like, hey, I think the Rogue episode got uploaded for the show. And I'm like, oh, no. So, hey, at least we know people are listening to the show, because then after they reached out, we had about 60 other people that messaged like, uh, guys, the, the Rogue episode got uh, uploaded. I'm like, uh, we're on it. It's already been swapped out. Thank you. We appreciate you guys for listening. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad they called it, though. I appreciate that. I'm glad they reached out as well. And and, and I will tell you one thing. It won't happen again. You guys can trust Prez's words on that. <laughs> it will not you got happen it. again. <laughs> yep. Well, AJ, man, I appreciate the wine, brother. It was good. It, it went down smooth. Oh man, I'm I'm gonna have another glass when we get off of this here recording. I appreciate you, my man, and uh, listeners. If you guys can think of any future best that you want me and AIDS up to to do on this show, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, or on our website. Because, yeah, man, me and AIDS up, we like to compete against each other. So, hey, if it's even about the bear season, season predictions, whatever, just let us know and we'll be open to to those uh, ideas. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it. The next bet I should win. So, yeah, give us some ideas. I'm looking forward to them. <laughs> I mean, you said that that last time, but here I'm over here drinking that good wine, so we'll see. It sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It sounds good. You're right. I'm determined. I got to win. <laughs> there you go. I respect it. I respect it, man. Hey, this is a dope-ass show. Without further ado, we are out. A-Dub, gone to son of soft, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Barry Sanchez Podcast. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for your continued support of this podcast. Bear Nation, come down with us. Hey.